Okay, so first of all, welcome to this workshop on building on a solid foundation. Um, my name is Mark, this is my wife Lucia. We want this uh, workshop to be super practical and um, we're gonna share a couple of things uh, related to our story. We were asked to share our testimony um, and uh, we were also asked to share some things related to marriage. So, um, I, uh, so my, my full name is Mark Orozco. I've been uh, pastoring um, since, involved in ministry since 1996. Um, I pastor a church uh, up north from here called uh, Calvary Chapel Brandon. It's a suburb of Tampa. Um, we've been there since 2001 and we've been married for 25 years. So we're excited about that. We have four children. Um, the age range is 21, 18, um, uh, seven, 17, and 15. And um, so we're, we're super blessed with um, the children the Lord has given us. And uh, man, we're just excited to be with you guys, excited to share uh, with you some things that the Lord has given us. So, um, so let's pray and then we'll, we'll just jump right in. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together. And um, Lord, we ask right now as we just take some time to talk and, and minister and share your goodness and grace and some just some practical lessons, Lord, on, on marriage. We ask, Lord, that you would be in this time, that the Holy Spirit would be a very present help in our time of need, God, that you would speak, that you would work, and that you would be glorified. Thank you for every single uh, person here right now, every couple represented in this room. And Lord, if there's any among us that's just in a place that's needing a specific word from you, Lord, I pray that you would bring that word to the forefront, that you would encourage us, that you would enrich us, that you'd build us up. Lord, that you would speak, that we would leave this conference so different than when we came. We ask for your blessing, and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7. So as you turn to Matthew chapter 7, we want to let you know, first of all, we, um, we don't claim to have a perfect marriage. We're just like you, growing and learning in our relationship with Christ. So uh, we're on this journey just like, just like you. So some things that we've learned we want to give to you. Matthew chapter 7, I, we just want to use this as a springboard and, and share a story and hopefully address some practical steps on growing and building. So Jesus, as you know, is on the Sermon on the Mount. He gives this parable related to building on a solid foundation. And he says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to be a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the wind blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So as Jesus is giving this parable related to our lives being built on a solid foundation, the rock, 
or our life being built on Stan, what we want to do is just begin by sharing with you how we came to Christ and then how we met as a couple, and then we'll move forward and sharing some practical aspects of marriage. But the first part we want to just address is how we built our life on Stan prior to knowing Jesus. So this is where my beloved wife, Lucia, comes in. <laughs> so how I got my feet on the rock, uh, just I'll be real brief, I was raised in... Um, Southern California and raised in the Catholic Church. Um, went to church every Sunday. I don't remember ever missing a Sunday. Um, but when I was 16, um, uh, you know, you start to pursue things that, you know, chasing after the winds that don't satisfy. And um, my sister, uh, I just knew there was something I was like, what is life all about? I even remember walking home from church one day. My family, um, my parents had been divorced. And my family was kind of broken apart. And just even looking up at a cloud, you know, you have those memory pictures in your mind. That's my memory picture. And saying, well, there's got to be more to God than what I know who made this cloud above my head. And, um, oh, praise the Lord, he, 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 he was drawing me. You know, he was, his spirit was drawing me. And my sister invited me to a Bible study. And it was at a, a, a Calvary Chapel in West Covina, California, uh, by a pastor named Raul Reese. And it was a youth Bible study, and um, so after a couple times of her asking me, I finally, okay, I'll, I'll go. Um, and when I went there, uh, if any of you are from that background of Catholicism, you know, it was just amazing. Like, well, this man comes out, he doesn't have a long robe on, you know, and, uh, and then he talked to God in a prayer like he knew God. You know, that was, that was amazing, you know, <laughs> with respect to the priest, sorry. But... Uh, so, and just seeing, I remember seeing down the row and all the kids with their Bibles open on their laps, and, and I had never seen that before, and I just knew there is something here that I need, you know. And um, eventually we started going to a, a different Calvary, and I guess you like to church hop a little bit, but uh, it was um, Costa Mesa, and if you know Pastor Greg Laurie, the evangelist, well, he would give evangelistic messages every Monday night, and um, it was awesome. Uh, and then probably a few months after attending church, it's like one day the light bulb went off and, and uh, you know, the cross was before me and it all made sense. Like, wow, Jesus, you know, died on the cross for me personally. And uh, as Pastor Greg is famous for saying, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. And that's when I knew, like, this is it, you know. So I, you know, said a, a prayer of um, surrendering my life to the Lord and never to be the same at 16. Awesome. So, my testimony is a little different. Um, I'm also uh, from Southern California and um, born and raised in a Hispanic home. Um, I chose to go uh, the way of the world for many years and uh, got involved with drugs, uh, got involved with gang violence. So, I was, I was a part of that whole scene for, um, for a number of years. And um, so my, my life started to spiral out of control. And uh, I also was asking the same questions, you know, what is life all about? What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? I recognize the things that I was pursuing wasn't fulfilling me. So as I was going down that road of darkness, I have a younger brother that was actually following my footsteps. And um, my younger brother got in trouble with the law. And uh, so they... They basically made a, uh, a statement saying, um, listen, your brother's going to do some time. 
uh, but we're willing to drop the charges if you comply to what we're asking. And so uh, through a series of events, the charges were dropped and he was sentenced to community service. This is where God kind of moves in because my, my brother served community service at a Calvary Chapel. And uh, yeah, so what he would do on weekends is uh, he would go into 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 the church and uh, you know he'd vacuum the, the sanctuary and and one of the guys that was there that was kind of uh, ministering to him uh, would would share the gospel and and he would full tracks all day long. That's what he would do is he'd vacuum the sanctuary with full tracks. Well, my brother got born again, radically saved, and um, we as a family saw the difference and I saw the difference. So as, as time started to go by, Jim earlier was talking about fruit. You know, we saw the fruit. We saw the love. We saw, you know, hate was no longer there. But there was, there was just something tangibly different. So one morning, um, my family comes into my room and says, listen, we're going to go to that, that church that your brother has been serving community service at. So uh, we want you to come. So I thought, well, whatever, you know, I'll go. So I, I you know, okay. So I went, you know, all gangbangered out, you know, just... I mean, you know, with a hard face, you know, mad-dogging everybody, you know, just, it was, it was one of those scenes where it's like, I wasn't used to church being like that. So I walk in, and the, the thing that dawned on me and just shocked me was I saw thousands of people loving one another. That shocked me. So as I came in, I sat down at the pew, and, um, you know, the pastor comes out, and he says, all right, everybody, let's stand. We're going to worship. I've never worshiped Jesus ever like that before so we started to sing and they started to play guitar and and um, I obviously noticed there was something radically different as time went on the message went forth the gospel was given that Jesus died for my sin that Jesus rose from the dead that Jesus offers the forgiveness of sin if you just repent of your sin and give your life to Christ and um, he gave an invitation at the end and boom that was it my life radically changed radically changed uh, so I went forward gave my life gave my life to Christ and um, I, man my everything was was different you know my 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 perspective on life changed I knew that I knew that I knew that I was born again those of you in this room that have been saved those of you that are Christians in this room you know what I'm talking about when Jesus touches your life when Jesus rescues your life when Jesus forgives you I mean it is it's amazing it's amazing so from that point on, I just started to experience, wow, you know, this is, this is it. You know, I'm going I'm to live. You know, I had no future, literally. I lived day to day, watching my back, you know, just a, a, a life of darkness. So I started to consider my future, and as I started to consider my future, I sensed the Lord calling me into the ministry. I didn't even know what ministry was. What's ministry, you know? But I sensed the Lord just beginning to put a call upon my life, and I started to consider... Um, you know, what the Lord wanted to do. So as I prayed, um, I heard that there was a place called Calvary Chapel Bible College. Um, this was in Southern California, Pastor Chuck's school. It was up in the San Bernardino Mountains. And um, through a series of events, um, the Lord opened the door for me to go there. And that's where I met my wife. That's where we met. So I, uh, I went to the school, and... Um, you know, had a passion for the word, had a passion to study the word, had a passion to get to know Christ. And um, I was there from 1993 to, uh, through 1995. And, um, and I, as I was there, we went through Pastor Chuck's 
uh, through the Bible with him on cassette tape. You guys remember those days when there was cassette tapes? And um, it, it was an amazing event. It was an amazing experience. Now, having said that, our, this is where our story picks up. So um, we met at school, and uh, um, my first semester, I uh, started, you know, just reading the commentaries and studying the word. And I found a group of friends from the school that every week they would go evangelize down in uh, the streets of Hollywood. Fifty of us would go down there. And um, one particular night, I, um, I was wrapping up some prayer time. We were getting ready to go hit the streets, go pass out tracts, go pass out Bibles. And um, one of my friends, his name was Richard, approached me, and he asked if I would please consider uh, watching over his sister, which is my wife now. <laughs> and uh, so he's like, hey, listen, I know you guys are going to go in some really uh, tough areas, some you know, you're going to go down and, and, and minister the gospel. So my sister came up. She wants to share the gospel with you guys. So I was just wondering if you, would, if you, would, uh, if you wouldn't mind pairing up, making sure that she's okay. So I was like, uh, after I saw her, I was like, yeah, I'll take care of her. Yeah, that, we, we could do that. That's, that's not a problem. That's not a problem at all. And uh, so we, we eventually paired up. And, um, yeah, that was, that was the first time I met her. Now, I don't know if you want to interject on that. Yeah, so I, I attended another school at the time, but I heard that with, I guess, my brother, I, I heard about this group that goes street witnessing. I thought, oh, that's, that sounds awesome. I want to do that. I've always wanted to do that. So I drove a long way up the mountain, thousands of feet, uh, to go. Uh, they would pray. They'd get in a circle in a classroom, and they prayed, um, and then they would go down. Uh, so when they were praying, uh, it was fun. I heard this person really fervently praying. I'm like, and I, you know, you're supposed to keep your eyes closed. I'm like, who is, who is that? Because I got to know who that is. Hey, and, now. <laughs> <laughs> it was him. Uh, it was Mark. So um, after that, you know, they say, okay, everyone break into groups of, you know, uh, four or five, whatever. And, uh, you know, girls, don't be by yourself. It's, it's Hollywood Boulevard. It was crazy. Uh, it's somewhere I would never want my kids to go, but... The Lord watched over us with his angels. Um, anyhow, so Mark comes with my brother, and, you know, my brother Richard said, you know, I want Mark to watch over you. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, it was him, you know, it was him. So uh, we went witnessing, and I, it was awesome because uh, I, I looked at him. I'm like, wow, I didn't know anyone could be so godly and love the Lord. And he was real, real bold, especially coming out of gangs. He was just kind of like in their face, like, do you know Jesus? You know, and it was fun to watch him. You need to repent uh, right now, bro. It's just, just, no. So we've become a little more uh, refined. A little bit more refined. <laughs> Not yeah. so much in the face, but we still want to share the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah. So we would go out, and periodically that's what we would do. You know, that's, that's kind of how our relationship started. Just went out, shared the gospel, and um, I was there for a two-year time, a two-year period, a two-year stint. My wife was there for a two-year period. And, um, you know, as I was sharing the gospel, I, I noticed that she was very aggressive with the gospel. I was like, listen, she's godly. She's good-looking. Lord, this would be amazing if you did this. But um, at the same time, I was also, I understood that the Lord had my heart, you know. Lord, I want to do what you want for my life. I'm done doing what I want for my life. I want what you want for my life. And so I just continued to seek him and continue to look to him. And um, 
So for that two-year period, that's what we would do. We would interact in that way, and that was pretty much it. Now, having said that, I know our story is a little unique. And uh, so how we met and how we eventually uh, got married is a little unique. It's the exception, not the rule. So for that two-year period, we would talk occasionally. And um, all the while, I was falling, falling in love with her. You know, it's like, this is the one. I know this is the one. And um, I remember one particular night, um, I was on my way from, uh, from the library, making my way back to the house. And I remember looking at the stars. We're, we're five, 6,000 feet up in the mountains. And I, asked, I literally asked God for her hand in marriage. I said, Lord, you're her father in heaven. And I'm asking you for her hand. And um, if it's your will, in Jesus' name. And then nothing. You know, it was like there was no response as, as it relates to, you know, her showing interest or anything like that. So I just figured, well, you know, all right, Lord, you got something. I know you got something planned. So, um, so before graduation, we were, we were getting ready to graduate, and uh, we had a missions trip. We had to go to this missions trip um, in Mexico. Um, so we would go to this missions trip. We would mi minister at a special needs facility. And um, while I was on this missions trip, uh, the Lord made it very clear. You need to go back. You're getting ready to graduate. You need to go back to school after this trip. And you need to tell Lucia how you feel about her. Now, mind you, we've, we, we didn't date. We didn't, I've never expressed my feelings. And... Um, so I'm thinking, I don't know if that's the devil, or is that me, or is, what is that, you know? <clears throat> but the Lord made it very clear. This is, no, this is him. And um, <clears throat> there was a, uh, a brother of mine, while we were at this, while we were at this um, orphanage, he gave a devotion. It was in Joshua chapter 3. And as he was sharing the devotion, he was describing the nation of Israel making their way across the Jordan, going into the promised land. And uh, as he was sharing, he, he shared how the Levites would go into the Jordan, and once they stepped into the Jordan, he would part the Jordan, man. And they'd go into the promised land. And the Spirit of God spoke to me, and he said, that, that's you, Mark. You need to go back. You need to take that step of faith. Step in the water. Let her know what, you know how you feel about her. And... Um, I'm going to part the Jordan for you. You're going to go into the promised land. So I went back, terrified, and uh, I didn't know how I was going to explain that to her. You know, like, I, I, I believe you're going to be my wife, you know, so I'm just kind of frantic. And um, so I went back, and I found Lucia. It was the, uh, the, uh, Monday morning, and we were getting ready for class, and I looked at her, and I said, listen, we really need to talk. I was wondering if we can have some time later on that night so I can... We can, we can touch base on some things. And so at that point, uh, she's going to tell her side now. So, yeah, we, he hardly talked to me. Like, hardly. <laughs> I think he was just always nervous. And, um, but the times he did talk, it was always, I just felt so comfortable with him, you know. And uh, one time he did ask me to walk with him to the local home fellowship that we went to each week. And I was like, oh, no, he asked me to walk with him. That must mean something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but I always, I always really admired Mark. He was just, you know, one of the most godliest guys at the school. And I, I just always had my eye on him. He didn't know that. I mean, he literally, when he proposed, uh, the day he proposed, he, he didn't even know I liked him. Like, that's how... Like, we didn't, we just didn't express anything, um, but I always had my eye on him. So, 
uh, a little bit before he proposed to me, um, we had to choose our elective classes for for the next semester, and and I, you know, just said a little prayer. Okay, Lord, what classes should I choose? And uh, they, that semester, that coming semester, they were having a, a class called Marriage and Family, and Pastor's Wives class. So, and I felt like the Lord just said that one and that one, referring to those two. I'm like, Marriage and Family and Pastor's Wives. Lord, what is this all about? Like, it was just. It was so clear, that, um, you know, him guiding me in that. And then uh, that semester, when I started those, those classes, which they were great classes. One of them, the marriage class, so many of the things that were said are with us today. It was really awesome. Um, but the morning that he proposed, um, when he came back from that missions trip, I was in reading Psalm 139 in my devotions, and the verse I read, um, he had the days fashioned for you when as yet there were none of them. And I don't get this all the time, but it's like God's spirit spoke so clear to my heart, and he told me, today, Mark is gonna propose to you. Like, I just knew it, you know? And, and I don't, again, I don't have that experience on a regular basis, but that morning, he made it so clear. So when I went to class, I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And then sure enough, there's Mark. He meets me like in, by the staircase and he looked so nervous, so nervous. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I saw her and yeah, I was, I was terrified. I was like, man, I don't, you know, I'm gonna share how I feel about her and she's gonna shut me down and I'm gonna get kicked out of Bible college, you know? But uh, so anyway, we made an arrangement to meet that night and uh, we did, we, we got together and man, I, you know, I danced around the whole, this whole thing for like an hour, you know, and um, toward the end, she was getting frustrated. Like, I, I thought, Lord, I thought you were, I thought he was going to say something, but so she's like, you know what? Um, it's getting late. I got to get going. And, and I said, wait, 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 wait. I didn't tell you why we're, why we're really here. And um, at that moment, then I looked at her and I said, listen, Lucia, um, and this is exact, exact words. I said, listen, before the foundations of the world, God took you from my side to be my bride. And I, you know, asked her to be my wife. And she said, what did you say? <laughs> well, at first he said, I, 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 uh, I have to remember I love this. You. Uh, I love yeah, you. I love you. And I was, or he said, I care for you. And I said, I know. I don't, that was not romantic how I said it. But then he said, I love you. And I was like, oh, like I just knew those words translated were, um, Will you marry me? Yeah. And I just remembered this part of the story. It's been a while. Um, so he, he said that, you know, God took you from my side to be my bride. And I, I knew that meant marriage. And I, so I guess I said some words that were agreeable. But he never used the phrase, will you marry me? So anyhow, uh, side, side note, I went home that night. I was all excited, told all my friends, well, I'm engaged, I'm engaged. And, um, and, then the, and I said to the Lord, oh, he never used the words, will you marry me? That next morning, we met in the cafeteria for breakfast, and um, we, you know, said grace. And then after he prayed, he said, I have something to ask you. I said, what is it? And he said, I just want to ask you, will you marry me? Like, the, I didn't get to say those words. I said, oh, when did the Lord tell you to say those words? He said, just right now. So I said, yes. <laughs> so we get married. Um, we were married at Calvary Chapel, uh, Costa Mesa, and, um, and it's been... Um, in 1996, so it's been 25 years. Um, we went into full-time ministry um, since 1996. We moved to Florida 2001, 
and um, I was an assistant pastor. Um, and then in 2007, I assumed the senior pastorate uh, of the church I currently serve. And it has been an amazing blessing to see God use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So just a snapshot, we want to share with you, um, getting back to Matthew's gospel, the seventh chapter, uh, prior to being believers, we were building our house on the sand, but now as Christians, we're building our house on the rock. And what we want to do is just share with you some things that we've learned along the way uh, that have helped us and hopefully will help you. Um, and what I want to do is just we're going to have a conversation and um, ask some questions, answer these questions related to our marriage and how the Lord has built our marriage. But first question would be, what would you say um, are some of the key building blocks to our marriage? After 25 years, we've walked with Jesus. Um, what would you say are some of the key factors of that? Well, uh, Pastor Malcolm and Pastor Jim both talked about what the key factor is, and that's the vertical relationship, right? And I, so when we were considering these, these things in preparation, I mean, I would always say, even with premarital counseling, that is the number one thing is our relationship with the Lord because we know that, you know, when we're filled up with his love, you know, and we're satisfied, and then we have something to give out to our spouse. We can overflow onto them and be um, filled so that we can be there for them. You know, other if we don't do that, then we're hungering and we're pulling from our spouse thinking they could, you know, fill us, and, and it's not going to happen because we're designed to be filled with the Lord and then to give out to each other. Yeah, so I would say the same for the, for the husband. I'm absolutely powerless apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm absolutely powerless apart from Jesus giving me what I need for my wife. Jesus said in John 15, you remember verse 5, um, without me you can do nothing. Abide in me and I in you, Jesus said. And we recognize that we have to prioritize every single day of our life as a married couple to make Jesus our number one passion. He's got to be the number one passion. That is what's going to bless your marriage that's what's going to build your marriage so uh, very practical what what does that look like for us um, we want to uh, encourage you and exhort you uh, to make a habit of having a daily time with jesus in the word of god uh, some call it the devotional life some call it your quiet time uh, some you know call it different things i just will stress how vital it is to take time in your day to spend with Jesus. Now, for me, um, it's a little different because I'm a pastor and um, I, you know, teaching through the word of God. So for me, I, I never use my personal time with God as sermon preparation. You just don't do that. That's not good, you know. So I systematically read through the Bible um, from Genesis to Revelation. I just go th through right now. I'm in the book of Psalms. So for me, I need coffee in the morning. Any coffee lovers here? Um, so I grab some coffee, open my Bible, and I'm spending time with Jesus in the Word, allowing him to fill me because what Jesus gives me in the morning, I then am able to give something to my wife, his heart, his love. Uh, I'm able to minister to her the way she needs to be ministered to. So uh, I think that's a, a vital, vital uh, thing in, to have in your life, in your marriage. Um, you want to add to that? Yeah, Mark has always uh, made the point where, 
you know, if we're both, as husband and wife, drawing closer to the Lord, we're growing closer together, you know. Um, and then also, you know, First John talks about how when we're abiding in the Lord, we have fellowship with one another when we're walking in the light. Um, and that's, that's the sweetest time is when we're having fellowship with one another, um, when we're, you know, close to the Lord. And that's the sweetest time. Yep. So what would you say to everyone in the room? Uh, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I have my, what I call my Bible time, um, and just make the effort personally to get up before the kids, get up before the family. Um, and I've got my, my spot in the house. I've, I drink tea, not coffee. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I read through the Bible and, uh, something cool is when we got married, uh, day one of our marriage, we opened up to Genesis together. And from that day forward, we've been reading through the Bible uh, for 25 years. And it's, and I had never done that. I was kind of here, there, and everywhere through the Bible. Um, so that's been a real blessing. Um, yeah. yeah, so um, if you don't have that as a foundation, that's where it starts. So I want to encourage you guys, make sure that you um, start it. You know, it's never too late. Just pick it up. Some people sometimes say, well, it's, it's a little daunting, Pastor Mark, a little overwhelming. Where do I start? Pick up a gospel and, and, and start reading through the New Testament. You know, start off with 10 minutes in the morning and, you know, a couple months, man, pick it up to 20, pick it up to 30. And before you know it, you're spending an hour with him. You know, yeah. that's such an important thing. Oh, you want to say something? Yeah, it might, you know, obviously looks different in different seasons with four kids, um, you know, that you're exhausted as a mom. You're up at night with a, with a baby, a toddler, and I had four kids up at night, at, sometimes all at once. So, uh, you know, do what you can, you know, when you're feeding the baby, you know, open up the Bible. Or if you're washing dishes, you know, put, put the um, a Bible, audible, audio Bible on or Bible study or, you know, just putting praise songs on in the home. Just whatever we can do to, to be built up in the Lord. Yeah, and, and uh, that's to me is essential. No, number two, I would say another building block is not only uh, building on uh, having a devotional life with the Lord, but I would say time. Time, spending time together, such an important thing in marriage. You have to spend time together. Now, we live in a culture that's just inundated with busyness. Every, I, I would say the majority of couples are going um, in different directions on a consistent basis. So there has to be an aggressive approach to spend time with one another. You have to. Now, having said that, she asked if she could answer this. So go for it. Well, only because I wanted to share uh, one of my favorite things in our marriage is what we call our family day. And um, interesting enough that even from the very beginning, Monday was always Mark's day off. So we kind of declared it as our family day. And family day for us um, means that no matter how busy a week might be, uh, we always can count on that one day being available. And it has meant so much through the years where, um, you know, so you hear about people and they don't make time for each other, you know, and they don't get to know each other or they, they're talk, they don't talk. Um, and... Um, I just really appreciate that Mark has made that uh, a priority where he always gives that time for, um, for myself, for our kids. We don't put ministry on that family day. Uh, when we lived in California, we didn't meet with our family, uh, our you know, parents or siblings on that day. It was only for each other. Um, and now we, uh, and we uh, like to take dates on a family day. We'll just, you know, we'll do things. We'll go bike riding or um, running or, you know, go get some coffee one of our favorite dates is just 
we get coffee, uh, go to a, like a, you know, just inexpensive date, inexpensive. That's a good thing, right guys? Inexpensive <laughs> date, man. That's like, that's it doesn't take a lot to make me happy. <laughs> um, but just we <clears throat> sit with some coffee at a, at a cafe, open our Bibles, have Bible time, and just talk about what we're learning. And it's, that's my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's a huge building block. And, and again, if you don't have that, I encourage you, make this conference a turning point. You're going to take and make it an effort to spend time together on a frequent basis. Uh, at least, you know, at least one day out of the week where you are, uh, it's a concentrated effort to be with one another. Another building block, um, open loving communication. Open loving communication, taking time to talk to each other. And um, this to me is another uh, essential thing. I don't know how many of you have that in this room, but I strongly recommend that you would take time to have open loving communication. Um, where you're sharing with your spouse how your day went. Uh, you share with your spouse your dreams, your goals, your, your, your desires. Um, you share the different challenges that, that come up. Um, it's helpful, I believe, in our marriages where you feel like you can share everything with your spouse. Now, in our marriage, this has been huge, um, huge in a number of areas, but I, I think it's really, really helped us grow um, in Christ's likeness where I can share with my wife everything and she can share with me uh, everything and uh, you know we've done this now since 1996 so I've talked to a lot of couples folks and uh, unfortunately there's not a whole lot of open loving communication in the marriage and uh, usually when that breaks down problems start coming you know and misunderstandings come and tension comes and issues come and and um, one of the reasons why is because they're not, they're not talking to each other. They're not sharing uh, where they're coming from in life. So um, a couple of examples on that. What would you say uh, related to time? You know, what's the best time for open, loving communication, would you say? Uh, well, I mean, in regards to, like, just talking about things, uh, even something simple as uh, marketing home from work. So how is your day? And, and I don't care how menial it is. Just tell me about your day, you know or after church, so we'll, we'll talk about, okay, who did you talk to, you know, any prayer, any prayer requests, anything. Um, I'm the kind of person that I'll, I'll pull it all out of him, you know, so if he went to even like a, a men's steak and study or whatever, so how'd it go, and who was there, and, and I'll, I'll make him tell me, everyone who was there, because I'm just <laughs> excited for them that they're there. So we've kind of learned to, you know, pull everything out of each other in the sense of, you know, tell me everything, you know, and, and, and you know, I like being in the place where we can tell each other absolutely everything. If I'm going through a trial or a difficulty, you know, that I can go to him and I could say, this is what I'm going through. I'm really troubled about this or that or whatever. Will you please pray for me? And then he prays for me, you know. Um, you could share, you know, our, 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 our good times, our bad times, but just being there for each other. Um, uh, I made a note, you know, like, when to talk to him, you know, if there's something difficult, maybe I dented his car or something like that, you know. <laughs> Make sure you feed your husband first, then talk to him, you know. <laughs> Make sure they're there, they're in a good mood. You know, be selective when, uh, you know, if they come home from work, obviously, and you see them kind of just with bricks on their shoulders, that might not be the best time to inform them about, about that mistake you made, but... Yeah, and finances, guys. Uh, I would also say make sure that you use wisdom when to discuss finances. Probably not a good idea to, to uh, bring up, you know, the bill that wasn't paid 
at 11 o'clock at night and you're getting ready to go to bed. Yeah. As, uh, just use wisdom, you know, timing is everything. And uh, again, having open, loving communication is absolutely essential. So I want to encourage you guys uh, in, that, in that area as well. Another building block, having a team mentality. Having a team mentality. She's, we're, we're a team, you know. And marriage should never be a competition with one another. We should understand that we, all, we both have roles to fulfill. Uh, and we are a team. I'm a team with my wife. Um, she helps me. I help her. There's a scripture that tells us in um, the book of Galatians. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, we're, we're called to come alongside one another and help one another. And again, we have four children. And uh, they're all at different stages. But through the course of raising our children requires a team. And uh, sometimes, you know, the, the husband, you know, wants to let the wife do it. You know, all right, she's got it. You know, I'm going to go do my thing. No, no, no. Uh, husbands need to step up. And we need to assume that, that role of leadership in the home and be the servant leader that God's called us to be and uh, be a team with, with our spouses. So we're a team in every area. You want to? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you made something that brought something to my mind is uh, teaming and parenting. You know, parenting has its challenges. And uh, just something I, I've had to learn is uh, every parent handles things differently. You know, one wants to be more... Uh, forward with what needs to be said the other one is like oh be you know be gentle be don't 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 say too much or don't stir the feathers or whatever you know and that would be me you know um and i've had to learn you know follow the lead of your husband you know if he wants to address something head on um i need to trust that the lord's leading through him you know and i've had to learn like and mark has you know because we've had our talks because if i'm not following him then what happens is the conflict with the kids and becomes conflict with us. And it's like, oh, not again, you know. Um, and I've had to learn, okay, like physically stand by him while he's addressing with whatever child, child number this, you know. Sorry. And, um, and just stand with him while he's talking to them and then affirm, you know, okay, you heard dad say this and he's right you know and but we've had we've had to have real discussions where mark says i need you to stand right by my side i need you to tell them you know what dad is saying is right and i've had to literally follow that and it's helped so much but that was just my little tidbit about real life you know um, standing with my spouse uh, literally in parenting um, so. so team team teamwork 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 in the finances I don't know how it is for you guys, you know, if the wife does the bills or if the husband does the bills, because my ministry is, uh, it, it, I'm significantly busy. Uh, I trust my wife to be the steward in that area, but we're a team. We discuss the finances in our home. We discuss bills that need to be paid in our home, and uh, there's open, uh, loving communication in that area. I think that's an important thing, um, but we're a team, obviously, and raising kids, and just every area of life and again um, more often than not the times that we've counseled people and ministered to people that have marital issues is that they've lost sight that they're a team you know they've, they've yeah. lost sight of that and they need to get back to that um, two are better than one amen yeah two are better than one yeah and even uh, you know if you could find a ministry that you could do with your spouse it's it's special you know mm -hmm. uh, but even the times when I'm let's say I'm going off to women's Bible study um, and he's back at home. Um, anything I do for the, I'm doing for the Lord that doesn't include him right there and then, I always want his blessing. You know, I'm not doing this because um, 
on my own, I still see it as a team effort. And I look at him and I'll say, I have your blessing, right? You've got my blessing, go. You know, and, and, I, and I'll say, you know, teamwork. We're, we, we do this together, Absolutely. you know. Absolutely. That we're agreed with whatever works for the Lord that we're doing, you know, even in that. Yeah, and I would also say, um, you know, the Bible says in the book of Genesis that the, the wife, God describes her as a helpmate. That's what the scripture teaches. And uh, quite frankly, uh, husband, I need help. <laughs> and she's here to help. She helps me in more ways than one. It's a blessing. Um, but, man, I don't, you know, there's times when she sees things that I don't see, you know. And there's a story that we have about we got a playground. You want to tell that story? or? Mm. <laughs> we wanted to put, a, to put together a playground, you know, the big, big wooden kinds. Imagine that. Uh, you know, but again, the, the um, com complimenting each other. You know, one wants to look at the pictures and figure it out. One wants to read every word of the directions. Uh, you know, one wants to use the drill like like it's a you know a gun, like rawr, 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 you know. And I'm like, hey, you're gonna strip the screw. Don't do that. You know, just it's just you know you and 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 yet you know working together, yielding, preferring. You know, eventually yeah. it got done. The yeah. kids, kids had a good. Playground to play it, it, it got done when I finally humbled myself and I said I should do the way my wife said. Let's read the instructions. Let's read the instructions and go step by step and do exactly what she says. So teamwork, man, that's what it's all about, you know. And um, anyway, uh, next question. What are some obstacles or challenges we've faced while building our marriage? Would you guys all agree that that our marriages face challenges? Would you agree that our marriages face obstacles? It doesn't matter how long you've been married. I mean, you could face obstacles or challenges early on in marriage, and some have, or you could face it later on in marriage. I think we need to understand while we're in this body and while we're on this sojourn in life, it's, uh, obstacles are not going to cease until we see Jesus face to face. So um, what are some of the challenges or obstacles that we face while building our marriage? And there's three, okay? We just want to mention three for the sake of time. It's three obstacles, three challenges that every single person in this room could identify with. The world, the flesh, and the devil. <laughs> those three. First John chapter 2 actually gives to us those specific obstacles or challenges that we all face. So let's, let's, um, let's talk about the world for a minute. Um, we live in a culture right now that's obviously trying to mold and shape the minds of, of people and, and even God's people. And so I think it's important that we put on a biblical mindset and that we be aware that um, we want our marriages fashioned. We want our marriages to look like Christ in the church. And we, we need to understand that there are challenges that the world will throw at us. They'll there'll be major challenges that the world will throw at us. So what do you do? I got a, I got a word for you. Be a watchman on the wall. When you go back to the Old Testament, you remember um, when the neighboring enemy was coming against the city and the nation of Israel, they had these towers um, on the city walls and there would be a watchman on the wall. And if they saw the enemy approaching, the watchman's job was to alarm and, and sound the alarm and warn everybody, hey, there's some, this is not good what's coming our way. So you need to be aware of this. Paul the Apostle, when you fast forward to the New Testament in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said that we're to be watchful, watchful in all things. Be watchful in all things. So in our home, as we face different challenges um, on a number of levels, I, I think one of the best words 
that helps us overcome is being watchful. Being watchful. Watchful what's coming in and watchful what's going out. So, for example, the attitudes that we allow into our life, you know, are we being watchful in those areas? And, and let's just say that there's some things that are, not, that are not good, that are not Christ-like. I need to be watchful of those things and, when necessary, repent of those things and make those things right. We have kids, and we live in a day of social media. And social media, and uh, there's some good things on there, but there's a lot of bad things on there. So we need to be watchful with our kids. We need to watch what's coming into our home and watch what's going out of our home. We need to be watchful in those areas. Um, you, want, you want to add to this anything? Another area that we've seen in counseling um, couples, and uh, this, is a, this is a huge one, is pornography. Um, brothers, I just want to encourage you, keep your eyes for your wife and put a filter on. You know, if that's an area where you find, man, this is uh, an area where I, I'm weak, you need to uh, make adjustments in your lifestyle where you are being very careful and you're watching. Man, I want to live a godly life. I want to live a life that's set apart. I want to live a life for Jesus. And in some cases, you need to put some filters on, on your um, on your tech, uh, your technology, you know, on whatever it is you're using, your computer, your phone, your iPad, whatever you're using, you want to make sure that you do that. Just being watchful, that's going to save your marriage. It's going to save your marriage, okay? Um, man, I can't tell you how many marriages I've, I've counseled heartbreak because of that very thing. And, um, you know, someone that wasn't watching and went down that road and now they're in a place of needing the grace of God to restore them and rebuild them. So another, oh, uh, you want to? Uh, just, yeah, we put, we practically speaking, we put filters on, on the devices, our kids' devices. Um, I could pull up anytime I want and see what they're watching. If they're, you know, I could see what exactly what they're on. Um, just wanting to protect them. And, and um, uh, for Mark and I, we like to think of, um, you know, our phones we can look at each other's phones. It's not his phone, it's not my phone. You know, if I wanna look at his phone and he wants to look at mine, I could do that. You know, it's not like, it's mine, you know. Uh, we just mm -hmm. try to be open with everything and accountable. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, Absolutely. Yep. Okay, another obstacle I would say is the flesh. The flesh. So we face the world on a consistent basis. Another obstacle is the flesh. And this one's a little bit more subtle, um, you know, when I say the flesh, it's speaking of the Adamic nature. It's speaking of, of um, you know, the sinful nature that we all still wrestle with. And uh, there's only one verdict for the flesh, folks, just so you know, and that's death. Now, Paul the Apostle said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So uh, the only remedy for the flesh is you, you put it to death. You starve it, okay? You starve it. A great passage to look up later on is Romans chapter 6. And the Apostle Paul tells us to reckon the old man to be dead. And um, so, you know, there are times when, you know, let's say the attitude comes up or, you know, you guys are having what I call a, uh, a, a loving discussion, you know, and it's kind of getting a little bit more heated. Uh, that's when you pull back and you die to yourself and you die to what's going on right now in the room. And you, you go to the cross, you crucify that attitude and you come back humble you come back repentant you come back ready to to resolve this in christ uh you got you have to 
be willing to recognize this is not of the Lord and <laughs> I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and, you know, remembering, uh, like you said, Romans 6, 7, 8, who we are in the Lord, that we don't have to go that way, you know. Um, especially when the kids were little, I, I struggled with anger a lot, you know, just, you know, you're short on sleep, very short on sleep, you know, you're giving, 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 like just constantly for every little thing, you need water, you need to be changed. I mean, I remember, um, you know, for like, what do you need? I was like constantly hushed over, what do you need? Okay, next kid, what do you need? Like, okay, next. And like, they would like come to me in a row and it was just exhausting. So, you know, I'd be short uh, tempered and the Lord has worked with me and helped me, you know, showing me you don't need to go that way. Well, first of all, actually, he showed me the root of a lot of it was selfishness because I just was not wanting to give and serve, you know, but, but in addition, he showed me, um, you know, you are, you have the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. I'm like, well, that's, that's a lot of power, you know, so I've, I've learned and not to say I've arrived, I haven't arrived, but he has brought me a long way where, you know, if I'm wanting to be frustrated at whatever the child has done or whatever, they're older now, um, you know, okay, no, I don't have to do that. I don't have to feel those emotions. I don't have to go that way, you know, and I just have learned to yield to the power of the spirit, you know, and pull back and let him have his way. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as he mentioned the scripture, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So. It was, for, it was helpful for me to remember who I am in Christ and that I don't have to go that way anymore because he's given me the power not mm -hmm. to. So the flesh, the world, and the third is the devil. We have an enemy. And the Bible tells us he's called the adversary. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's out to destroy marriages. So um, we need to recognize that um, marriages are under assault, and there's a, there's a real enemy. Thankfully, we have the victory in Christ, and we don't fight for victory, but we fight from victory. Okay, we have the victory in Christ, but we, we must understand there is there's a real enemy out there. And um, uh, let me just say a couple of things about warfare, I think, that would be helpful for marriage in the context of marriage. A couple of things. One, um, every marriage will go through a season of spiritual warfare. And in those seasons when you're sensing, man, I just sense the attack is on right now. Uh, you need to be filled with the spirit of God and discern like, you know what? This is not this is a little stronger than it was, you know, several months back. What, what's going on? You know, I'm sensing that you're a little bit more irritable. Uh, you're a little bit more. Um, it seems, you know, there's a little bit more pressure now. What's going on? You have to be willing to be discerning and allow the Holy Spirit to give you an insight. You know what? What you're facing right now is attack. And again, I I call upon the man as the spiritual leader of the home to be the, the person that is in tune and understands what's going on. Have the pulse, a spiritual pulse of what's going on in the home. So there are seasons of warfare. Um, we, um, as, as a couple, uh, you know, we recognize that when that comes, you know, we come together and the way to combat that is we pray together, you know. I grab her hand, you know. I'm like, all right, we're going to pray. We're going to seek Jesus. For us, the best thing for us to do is we go for prayer walks. Other people, uh, they may do it a little differently, but for us, that's what works for us. So we'll go out, we'll, we'll pray. We'll pray for our home. We'll pray for our kids. We'll pray for the situation. Sometimes it requires to fast and pray. And uh, I think that's also something that's noteworthy. Throughout the New Testament, you'll see that 
God's people at certain times and different instances, they fast, they pray uh, to seek the Lord and to say, God, we want you to work in this area. Um, you wanna- uh, one of the things I, I think for us is uh, the key to victory uh, the first step is sometimes just even recognizing that it's warfare. You know, the Bible says that we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but sometimes we're thinking, you know, we're wrestling against each other. It's like, no, that's not what's behind. There's something behind it. It's greater. It's more than, um, you know, wifey's woken up on the wrong side of the bed again. You know, it's, it's more than that, uh, you know. And sometimes uh, what's helped us to recognize when it's a spiritual attack is um, all of a sudden it dawns on me like, wait a second it's not usually like this. We're fine usually. Like, what's the deal, you know? And you kind of compare it to even a few days ago. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, there's a difference. What, you know, and it's, I don't know, for, for us, sometimes that's helped to just to see that distinction, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. Um, you know, some of the tactics of the devil are, you know, bringing confusion. Sometimes it's been seasons where it's like, uh, you know, the season could be even in one day, you know, but um, everything said is kind of twisted or, or made like that's not what I said and it and it seems different you know and blown out of proportion you know and and the devil confuses you know or he's discouraging or disheartening people mm-hmm. um like we're reading Nehemiah right now both of, uh, for the women's and men's study and you know the devil was always there to to say to people you know oh you know just discourage them you can't build you know and and you you know you can't do this or that and and he would bring fear and, and, and um, mm-hmm. just all these tactics, you know, so, but something that I want to mention is that when I, when we do sense the enemy coming on is I love the promise um, in James 4, 8 that says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Mm-hmm. And I hold on to that. I'm like, okay, I am going to submit to you, Lord. I want to do what your word says. I'm resisting and then just count on it. He will, you know, we, he will flee and he does. Let me qualify that last part. Um, It doesn't say when he'll flee. So I I share that because there have been many times uh, brothers have come to me and they said, listen, I'm I'm doing what the word of God says, but it never tells you when he'll flee. So by that, I mean, you got to you got to dig in and you got to stay stay the course. And eventually he will flee. Eventually, just hang tight, keep submitting, keep doing what's right. And eventually he will flee. Now, as we move on, um, another question. What would you say are some safeguards we've established um, in our marriage for its protection? And uh, that's, I think that's a, another good question. Um, I would say, oh, man, just a couple, couple of things that I've seen and I've counseled that we practice in our own marriage. Uh, guard against inappropriate relationships, um, especially if you're, you know, on the workforce and um, guys, you know when gals are trying to be flirty. And girls, ladies, you know when guys are trying to be flirty. So uh, have your heads up, man. Understand, you know, we serve a, a, an awesome God, but there's also a real enemy. And you definitely need uh, to put some safeguards um, around your marriage. I, I specifically wanted to, to share that because um, that's an area I feel like, man, I've seen, uh, yeah, I've just seen way too much to, to, I just know that that's an area the enemy loves to cite, you know, and just be very, very mindful of that, you know. Uh, we're together as a team, so uh, if we make new friends, it's we, not I. Does that make sense? And, um, you know, if 
if so-and-so is going to keep texting you business related you know some some guys have a, a business they're running and and let's say the secretary can is constantly you know texting you and and um i would encourage you man involve your wife in some of those texts when necessary you know so that it's communicating you know i love my wife you know i love my wife and I, i'm just saying that in general you know uh you apply it how it applies to your life but i i just think that would be a good word for for someone here today um let's talk about conflict um real quick all marriages face conflict you guys don't face conflict right you guys don't no no you guys don't do that but you guys are better than that we we face conflict um Describe how we've handled conflict. I, I got one word, humility. Humility. Um, again, as a spiritual leader of my home, this is how I assess it. I lead by example. And um, <clears throat> I've seen some of the best results come when I'm leading by example in humility. And I say to my wife, even if she's uh, wrong in a situation... I will say, I am sorry. Please forgive me. Let's pray together. That's what I'll say. Hold on. Is that easy? <clears throat> She's going to tell the truth now, right? No, uh, no. So we have this, like, words that we like to say. I don't know where this even came from, but... So when, uh, yeah, marriage, yeah, you got to be good at humility and you got to be a good forgiver, right, mm -hmm. for it to work. <clears throat> and um, so when one of us says we're sorry, it's usually like if, if he's saying he's sorry and, and uh, I'll, 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 I'll kind of dig in a little bit more lovingly and I'll say, what are you sorry for? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just like to hear the words, I'm sorry for this. Or, or if I'm apologizing, I'm, I'm sorry for, um, you know, being unkind in my words or, you know, whatever it is. And we fill in the blank. And, and then, you know, and he, you know, as a mom too, you know, I'm teaching my kids that when, since they were little, okay. Um, you ever heard people say, uh, uh, I'm sorry, like you have here, and, and, and the mom says, just say, just tell them uh, that's fine. Like, it's not fine, you know. We like to close it with saying, I forgive you, you know. Right, right. And then we don't bring it up again. Ever. Know? Yeah. Ever. Yeah. That's key. If you get anything out of this conference, get that. When you forgive, forgive. Like Jesus forgives. Yeah. Jesus keeps. doesn't hold it back over yeah. our head, does he? Love keeps no record of wrong. That's right. Love keeps no record of wrong. And the Bible says we're to forgive one another as Christ forgave you. I'm certainly thankful that Jesus doesn't hold things over my head yeah. and bring things up. Um, so when we forgive, we, we, uh, we make it a point to never bring it up. So Yeah. So, uh, I mean, practically speaking, here's how it happens. Um, going in, you know, let's say we, we've had a conflict. She's, uh, I've said, or she's said, I forgive you. Typically, you know, later on that day, you're still remorseful. You're still sorry. You know, you're just like, man, I can't believe I said that, or I can't believe that we actually went through that. And they come back, myself, or she comes back, and we say, you know, what? I'm really sorry. Here's what we say. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? We, we, we don't bring it up. Does that make sense? You move on. It's a, it's a very important thing because here's what happens. If you're just putting a Band-Aid on something or if a surgeon just came in and, and did some surgery and they, they sewed it up, it's healing now, 
when you when you keep going back to that and you're opening that wound up again, you're going back into that, it's not going to heal. you got to forgive and move on by the power of the Spirit and through the blood of Christ. That's how you do it. It's yes. through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the blood of Christ. You move on. Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, I just... <clears throat> Maybe there's one or two of you right now in this room, and that's what you brought to this conference. You brought a struggle with forgiveness. Let me explain something. Um, When there's no forgiveness, what happens is, especially if you're the one that was offended, you get bitter. You get bitter. And that bitterness will then go to hardness of heart, and that hardness of heart then we'll go to a point where it's like, you know what? I don't even know if it's worth salvaging anymore. So that's why it's so important to come to this conference, to allow the Lord to heal that area of your heart, to give you the grace to move in that direction of forgiving your spouse and allow the Lord to work in that area of your life. Because only Jesus, only Jesus can do that. And he will if you let him. So... I like to um, equip myself with the scriptures, you know, so in the midst of conflict, um, you know, I'm hearing the Holy Spirit bring those scriptures to mind. If, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must forgive. Yes, complain, 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 you know, okay, I got to forgive, you know, but, you know, put the scriptures in our hearts. The Bible says hide them in our hearts, and it helps, you know. Uh, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And I tell myself, okay, you need to be an example to him. You know, pursue peace. You know, blessed are the merciful. They shall obtain mercy. If I want mercy, I need to give mercy too, you know. True. Um, uh, something that we were told back in the beginning of our, of our premarital class is um, never go to bed angry at each other. And we've made that like law in our house, you know. Um, Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And we've made it um, just like an absolute law. Like, I don't care how late it is. Why does it seem like conflict always happens like late at night when you're just like exhausted from the day, you know, and you're just vulnerable to your own weakness. Um, But no matter how late it is, we're going to deal with it and, and then go to bed, you know, in peace you know, and forgiveness, and it's not easy, but we do. We don't go to bed in separate bedrooms. No, that just doesn't happen. That's not an option, um, as maybe you've heard from stories. Um, so. Yes, so I, I would. Sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so remember that our, our marriage and the love that we have for one another is far more important than whatever matter you're dealing with. Your, your love for your spouse and uh, the history you have with your spouse is far, far bigger, far greater than whatever it is that you're currently going through. So keep that in mind. Um, so forgive, forget, move on by the grace of God. Last question. What are some blessings and joy in marriage? Some blessings. Um, a lot of blessings, obviously. Um, becoming best friends. My wife's my best friend, Okay. She's my best friend, okay? Now, some of you in this room, you may not have that right now. Um, I've talked to many brothers through the years where they would say, yo, man, I, this is my best friend. You know, he's my, my friend. He understands me. He, you know, um, 
And that's great. There's nothing wrong with having brothers in your life and accountability in your life. That's wonderful. But your wife should be the closest friend you have on planet Earth outside of Jesus, your wife or your husband should be your closest friend, your confidant, you know, the one that you talk to and share with every area of your life. Um, but, you know, we, you grow in your friendship, you know. And um, um, anything else you want to add? No? No, just, just uh, you know, cultivating that friendship, yeah. you know. Anything we can do together is better than on our own, right? Yep. You know, for example, uh, if he likes, uh, you know, we've done things through the, through the years like, fish together, you know, fishing together. Anybody or, like fishing in here? No one? Okay. You know, okay. or, um, and I, again, I was told this in the very beginning of our marriage, uh, you know, do what you can to invest. And, and even if it's something that's not your thing, like uh, he liked basketball. Well, I didn't, I didn't grow up watching basketball and it, it just really doesn't interest me so much, but I made the decision. I'm going to watch it with him. I'm going to sit with him and we're going to uh, have fun watching it together, cheering for when we were in California. It was the Lakers. Now we're like totally disappointing the Lakers now. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, and then even our kids started joining. Now we have a couple of the kids that, that like to sit. It's yeah. just special to sit with dad and watch when it's basketball season. You know, so yeah, just, just doing scenarios. what you yeah. can versus, versus, oh, that's their thing. They do that. You know, join them. Even if it's not your thing, join them because it's just something else that's going to build your marriage together. Mm-hmm. Amen. But but that friendship, you know, cultivating that friendship together. Um, blessings in marriage. I mean, honestly, I I glean counsel from my wife. My, my wife, uh, I trust that Jesus speaks through my wife. So I look to my wife. I say, you know, sweetheart, here's what's on my heart. Here's what's going on. Uh, how would you advise me? How would you counsel me? And just being all ears. And um, that's been a huge blessing because my wife's very discerning. And the Spirit of God speaks through her. And so if she says, you know, I'm not sensing that's the Lord, then I, I'll pull back, you know, and I'll wait. I'll wait for confirmation. I'll wait and uh, if I'm going to go a certain direction. So um, I would also say um, another blessing in marriage is we've seen the Lord do wonderful miracles in our life, you know, through our life, in our life. Um, I think another area that we've seen God answer prayer, you know, many, many times. Um, we're here to compliment one another, love one another, spend time together, grow in your marriage together, serve one another. And um, marriage is amazing when Jesus is the center, okay? If you make Jesus the center of your marriage, marriage is amazing. So at this conference, take some time, go for a walk, find a place, get with your spouse, and commit or recommit your marriage to Christ and say, Jesus, we want you to be the center. Amen? All right, Father, thank you so much for uh, this opportunity, Lord, to gather with brothers and sisters and, and really, Lord, just testify of your faithfulness in our life, God. We're grateful, we're thankful that you love us more than we can fathom. And I want to pray, Lord, for any marriage that's here in this room, Lord. Um, you know where every single one of us are at, and we pray the Holy Spirit would bring application where application is needed. And, and for those that are hurting, God, those that are needing to forgive, and those that are in a place right now where it's, it's not easy, I pray that your grace would come rushing in and your people would be um, ministered to. God, we pray for restoration, reconciliation. We pray where uh, the years the locusts have eaten, God, you would bring a full recovery. We ask, Lord, in Jesus' name that you would be the center of our marriages, 
and that you'd bless each one in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Well, thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys. I think uh, it's time for lunch now. So. Thank you.